I just want to thank you all for such the warm welcome of welcoming my family and I here this morning. You have such a beautiful space, and I hope you know that. Not all churches have this serene, natural beauty everywhere you go. This past holiday season brought new adventures for our family, now that we could appreciate movies together. When we saw advertisements for the new Disney movie Moana, we quickly bought our tickets. Moana is set on a Polynesian island and tells the story of a young native woman that is torn between accepting her destiny as chief of her tribe and toward exploring the open ocean. Eventually, she must leave her island in an epic quest to save her people. Buffered by the musical genius of Lin-Manuel Miranda, the creator of Hamilton the Musical, the story is indeed the magical kind only Disney can create. But in this Disney movie, there is neither romance nor a single white person. It is truly a story from Hawaiian legend which stays true to its roots. For my husband, who is Hispanic, this movie felt like a long-awaited acknowledgement of persons of color, especially when learning that the main voices were also persons of color. It was quite a revolutionary moment. As you use, Moana can speak to many of us, regardless of ethnicity. While some of you are undoubtedly cradle Unitarian Universalists, many of you came to Unitarian Universalism after a long journey of self-discovery, often at the cost of friendships and or disapproving family members. Some of us have family members who pray for us to find the light even to this day. You know who you are. <clears throat> But just as Moana felt called to the ocean, we feel called to be right where we are at this moment. Courage guides us to places like Hope Unitarian, helping us to find a safe place where we belong despite the costs. Last spring, I attended a conference sponsored by the Interfaith Alliance of Oklahoma discussing domestic violence and sexual assault. Having never been part of a physically abusive relationship, I was listening as an untouched human being. And then it hit me. The only reason I was an untouched human being was because of the courage of one person, my mother. Growing up, I knew my biological father was no longer in the picture, because my mother left him when I was six months old, after he chased her around the house with a gun, threatening to kill us both. She fled with me in her arms and never looked back. It took until graduate school for me to have a better understanding of how brave she had been, how courageous it was for her to get out while both she and I were still alive. How terrified she must have been when we lived on our own, wondering if he would come looking for us. Seventy-eight women lost their lives to their abusers last year in Oklahoma, 
one of the top states in domestic abuse deaths. That moment in young adulthood when I realized what my mother had done, I sent her a stuffed bear holding a flower pot with thank you embroidered on the side, a small token of my appreciation for her. Even then, I never described her as a survivor of domestic violence, even after we had lunch, and she told me of the many trips to the ER when she knowingly lied to medical staff trying to help her escape. Research shows that one in four women and one in six men will be the victim of domestic violence, physical or otherwise, and well... We have a lot of people even in this room right now. If you or someone you love is in an abusive relationship, please call someone. This past month, as you have discussed courage at Hope, other stories of courageous people have infiltrated the news cycle. On Tuesday, a young Hispanic woman on her way home from school walked into the yard of a white off-duty police officer who apparently called her names not appropriate to repeat in this sermon. In her defense, a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old argued with the cop who pulled out his gun and shot into the ground. These two young men showed remarkable courage even after being arrested. Thankfully, they were released without charges. But the incident sparked a protest among hundreds of people in L.A. On Wednesday and Thursday, after the government-mandated deadline to evacuate the Standing Rock protest camp, over 50 people were arrested for refusing to leave the sacred site. Even those who left before the deadline... Those who have endured negative degree winter temperatures showed amazing courage. These people stood for their principles until they were forced to leave. On Thursday, Rumana Ahmed's story was published in The Atlantic. As a hijabi-wearing Muslim woman, she had been hired by the National Security Council in 2011. She made the decision to stay on despite the change in leadership, But due to a hostile work environment, she decided to leave after eight days. Her boss, who sat silently as she offered her truthful and courageous resignation, had also been the author of an article describing Islam as incompatible with the West. Later on Thursday, Ross Matthews posted an unapologetic video after Milo Yiannopoulos claimed mothers of boys had sent him letters claiming they hoped their gay children turned out like Milo and not like Ross Matthews. Ross Matthews is the intern of the Jay Leno show. That's how he was came to fame. And so he posted this video where he was fighting back tears and he responded to the criticism by talking about his own struggle with self-hate and how he hopes all LGBT children will find the happiness and self-worth that he has found. On Friday, the story of Heather Lindsay and Lexine Charles went viral, an interracial couple in Stamford, Connecticut, who refused to paint over the racial graffiti on their house 
until police actually started an investigation. The police demanded that they paint over it, but would not actually investigate who did this to them. All of these stories are from this past week. Stories of courage and defiance. Stories of people resisting bigotry and unkindness. And there are so many more I could mention. The scientists who hid and shared and protected their data from the mass deletions ordered by the administration. The Muslims who raised money to restore the Jewish cemetery. The National Park Service Rangers who created alternate Twitter profiles after their original ones were censored. The courage of Alec Baldwin to impersonate the president on a regular basis. <laughs> and every person who has called their senators and representatives or protested or boycotted or attended town halls, regardless if their representative actually joined them. We must remember that despite all of the frustrations around us, there are still people who are courageous. And while we can be justifiably angry about many of these matters, we are still challenged as you use to cultivate compassion and empathy in our quest for justice. We must have the courage to stand up for what is right. And we also must have the courage to continue to live our lives as best we can for the sake of each other, for the sake of our children and grandchildren, and for our legacy of these times. One of my college professors, Mark Davies, he may have spoken here, wrote that one of the privileges inherent in a well-functioning democracy is that people can feel free to live their lives and not think about politics or the government every day. When is the last time you went 24 hours without thinking about our current political environment? Some of you probably couldn't think of a time, and others of you might have other distractions. I've noticed that there are three types of people on my Facebook profile feed. People who are very involved in the political process and post constantly and are watching everything and doing everything. People who are supportive of the new administration and policies. And people who are desperate to live their lives in spite of the chaos. At first, I resented the last group. After all, these people need to get woke, as the young people say. <laughs> but I began to see the value in incorporating their courage in taking the time to tune out. Not entirely, not always, but in finding those moments of joy and peace and comfort and appreciating them, however briefly. For some people, their lack of political activity has nothing to do with their lack of care for others, but they are single parents who need to pay the bills, and gay couples who want to get married to protect their retirement benefits, and people who are having or adopting babies, and people dealing with the reality of death. 
I work full-time as a hospital chaplain, and so my work every day, in and out, is car accidents and shootings and death every shift. One day, while mentoring one of our student chaplains, we discussed what life is. For some of us, disillusioned and frustrated, life has become nothing but fighting the machine, always in fight or flight mode, ready to pounce at a moment's notice. And believe me, I completely support the people who have the stamina to do the constant fighting, as we have many legitimate concerns as Unitarian Universalists in our quest for justice and peace and a democratic process in our world. But I also want to validate and encourage those of you who are taking the time to take your children or grandchildren to the park, or to enjoy dinner or a glass of wine with a loved one, or read a good fictional book that isn't 1984. Each of us in this room is fortunate that we are not currently living in an intensive care unit, hooked up to a ventilator, and hoping the next treatment will work. And yet some in this room may have a terminal diagnosis, or a financial struggle, or a troubled relationship. We have an obligation to ourselves and to each other to find the courage to seek out life right now to reach out to those who are different than us, to those who grieve and hurt and struggle. We have an obligation to look to the future that we dream about for ourselves and our descendants and our friends and make it reality as best we can. We must have the courage to take care of ourselves and the courage to reach beyond ourselves. In Moana, there are two major songs that describe her choices in life, one describing her calling to the sea, and the other, sung by her father, describing how her place is among her people and calling her to find happiness where you are. Without spoiling anything, it is Disney after all. She goes on her epic quest to save the world, but she also eventually takes her rightful place as chief of her tribe and rules with contentment. She gives hope and exemplifies courage for her people. We, too, can offer hope and courage to others. Elie Wiesel, the Holocaust survivor who encouraged us to always take sides, also said, Hope is like peace. It is not a gift from God. It is a gift only we can give one another. Let me repeat that. Hope is like peace. It is not a gift from God. It is a gift only we can give to one another. Go forth and give hope and courage to one another. Amen.